0: to a Patreon special episode of Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast, uh, ahead of DC United season opener this weekend against NYCFC. That game will be Saturday night, 8 p.m. Uh, at Audi Field. If you are not one of the 4,500 or so fans in attendance at that one, you can watch it on NBC Sports Washington Plus, the Overflow Channel, uh, Telexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN Plus. Um, it will post to this, on
1: our website to yes. uh, analyze all of those viewing locations for you.
0: Yes. Read Ben's post. That is yes. that is our. It, it will also live on the front
2: page all year. So if you're like, if it's like a week from now, and you're like, I don't know where Ben's post is, just look at the front page
0: of the site. It'll be up near the top. You'll be able to find it. If you are listening to this, I probably don't need to tell you to go back and check out our first episode from this week in the the podcast feed. Uh, that was with Christian Polanco of the Cooligans, who is fantastic and took, was very generous with his time with us. We talked about all things pigeon. And uh, before he came on, we also got into some off field news for DC United, all of it good, which is weird and exciting. Um, namely, the new TV deal, which Ben wrote about, and about the reported hiring of DC United's new general manager, Lucy Rushton, uh, about which I'm still very excited. I have not come down from that high yet, and uh, I hope I don't have to because that's exciting news. Uh, Tonight, we are going to be talking about on-field stuff that we didn't get into because we didn't have enough time in the the first episode so you patrons will get the first listen at this and if you're listening to this after it becomes available to the general public if you want to get episodes like this a few days earlier instead of on game day then uh check out our patreon filibuster com slash filibuster we are not in fact bigger than patreon it's not filibuster.com slash patreon that is a nonsense site that it should be i don't think exists one day if you
1: donate enough money we can buy patreon and there you
0: go
1: <laughs> yes let us do that let us buy yeah. patreon all
0: right as we set out on our um new mission of conquest jason what are you drinking uh,
2: I have a dry Irish Stout by 1623 Brewing in Eldersburg, Maryland, which only opened last year. Somehow survived COVID, and now
0: I'm finding their beers on shelves, so it's not bad. Good deal. Uh, I after after your conversation or uh, your discussion of the the bad beer you had yesterday, Jason, which I, I got a hankering for sour bill beers. I don't know why. It's like my college roommate I told read you that super... it was bad. Yeah, my my college roommate red supersize me. And immediately said, I need to go to McDonald's. It, it's weird. Um, so anyway, I didn't want to get the, the whatever dark, sour, metal beer you got. Um, mm. So I just told my, my father-in-law. He was running out to the liquor store. And I said, um, he, he asked me if I was interested in anything. He said, actually, how about a sour beer or sour ale or something? So he, he went and he grabbed uh, Rivertown uh, beer out of Cincinnati or Monroe, Ohio divergent sour ale it's tasty
1: adam can ben. i like can you inform can you can your father-in-law inform my dad about how to buy beers that millennials actually like well he,
0: he here's the trick he got there and he's like i'm not sure i don't understand sour beers i don't know anything about them i have adam's phone number in my phone i will use that information and he called me and he said hey Do you want to try this divergent sour ale? It's a microbrewery or a a craft brewery from the Cincinnati area, or do you want to try Sour Monkey from from Victory? I said, well, I know Sour Monkey pretty well. I don't want something that heavy, though.
1: So, um, no. As as we've well established on this. As we've well established on this podcast, my dad does not contact me and just buys Dos Equis or Rolling Rock. Your favorite two beers. <laughs> right.
0: Here's what you should do. You should tell him that um, Miller Genuine Draft is the only true beer and see where he goes from there. See what happens. Or you can go Miller High I and mean, like paint of beers.
1: I mean, I would prefer Miller to... Uh, Rolling Rock or Dos Equis Because I'm just going to take this into my own. What, what am I drinking? Um, what it's there for? I'm drinking a boil a boiler maker with uh, bourbon and Miller light.
0: Well wow. done. I, as a as a Purdue I feel, grad, I especially approve. I feel very like a flashback to being 22. Is this <laughs> is this by chance a tribute to DC United's new head coach or Losada? Who, despite now, coming from Bearscote, uh, that team gets pronounced beer shot an awful lot. <laughs> no, so it's we, just like going to call now, them the Boilermakers from now on.
1: I, I just didn't have any mixers, except I had a, a, a half a case of uh, Miller Light left, and so. So
0: I assume this is not a a drop and pound boilermaker. This is this poured no, into no, no, a beer. No, no. Correct. Okay, that that is more reasonable for podcasting
1: yes 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 I'm. Not, I'm yeah <laughs> yeah exactly no i i am sipping this i am not uh doing a yeah drop and pound
0: all right no chugging happening on filibuster because we are old at this point in our lives uh turning we to... are,
1: well i think it's, I, I, it's also tuesday but i also figured out we're all older than dc united's new general manager I'm I'm
0: here for young and exciting hires by the team. I really am. Like, you want new blood in there? You got it. And uh, I'm, I'm happy. I might
1: be this. I might I'm the youngest one here. I might be the same age as her. Uh, Google said she was born the same year as I as I was, but I don't know when in the year she was born. So we might be the same age, but I'm probably older than her. You two definitely are.
0: Yep. Here on the old man podcast corner, um, we are going to stay on track and look mm. at the game this Saturday against NYCFC. Uh, I guess our first question here is who's going to start the game? I think probably eight of the 11 positions are really easy to figure out who's going to start there. I think we'll have Sights and goal. I think the center backs will be uh, right to left Heinz, Ike, Briant and Pines. I think Gressel and Mora will start at wing back. I think the uh attacking midfielders will be uh, Assad and Flores. However, there are some questions in the the, the middle of uh, the, the center of the the pitch. We're going to start at forward uh right now because that's an open question. Apparently Ola Kamara may be questionable for this one and even if he weren't, Eric Sorga may have beaten him out.
1: Yeah, he's questionable injury wise or he's questionable performance wise. It can be yeah. two things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it doesn't you know,
2: it can't hurt that you know, Kamara played 45 minutes in that Red Bulls game. I I'm guessing that's where his injury happened. Um if he picked it up, it probably was there because I believe Steve Goff reported that in a time frame where they most likely were only doing like regen training um rather than a full session right. or anything. Um so yeah, he most likely picked up something during the course of that game, but then Sorga comes in and scores. We don't know, you know, what kind of goal it was, but he did score, and it's important. It turns out to score goals uh, as a striker. Um, maybe the best thing you can do for your prospects of uh, getting on the field. Um, and, and we have to be fair here to some of the other options like Kimarni Smith. Uh, maybe a wing back,
0: maybe not. Um, it seems he like scored goal played... wing back and center forward. Right, and
2: and it seems like he's played uh, an underneath role, perhaps. Uh, In this last game, he came in for, uh, I think it was Flores, and we don't know where he went um, because we don't know much. Because there's no streaming. Yeah, that game happened in a black box. Um, But, you know, Smith, maybe he's not quite ready because of experience. I don't know. Um, Giovanni uh, Bolivar and Nigel Roberta. Roberta, I think, only trained a couple of days ago for the first time with the team, yeah. um, he should be fit because the Bulgarian season was ongoing. So it shouldn't be a major catch-up as far as that goes. Um, but he still might need to learn some of the scheme. Um, he might need to get his legs under him because he's moved to the United States very recently. Yeah, uh, same I think with Bolivar, but less likely to start, I feel like is safe to say there.
0: Yeah, I think I think Sorga is the likely starter at this point. If I had to put money on it, which... Thankfully, I don't. Nobody is compelling me to gamble right now. But if I had to put money on I'd bet Adam, on do it to start this Adam, game.
1: Adam, gamble right now. Are you Gambling is now apparently legal for MLS. So just do it. I mean, it is. But I'm in Kentucky right where it's Adam, not legal. Adam, right now.
0: Right horse, horse betting now. On horses is, and actually, sports betting might be legal here. I don't even know. I didn't check.
2: I will say, I, even enlisting the forwards, there's so many forwards, and like last year, we had so few. Um, yeah. I forgot to mention Adrian Perez, uh, who yes. has been playing consistently in preseason, but a little, a little bit as a forward, maybe a little bit underneath, and then sometime as a left wing back because he's kind of a attacking utility kind of guy rather than an out and out striker. But he is someone that could also be in line for minutes.
0: I mean utility attackers are kind of a thing that DC United have a lot of. They they do have yes. more center forwards than they did last year, but we still do have a oh, lot man. of utility attackers. Yeah. Um and I think that's that's probably good for Losada's system because we know that that the the center forward, the attacking midfielders, the wing backs are gonna find themselves in the final third a lot with and without the ball. Um they're gonna be pressing that high. And so I think it's uh it's good that we have this number of attackers. I think uh, Roberta and Kamarney Smith are both pretty likely candidates to sub in, in this game, but I, I don't see either of them starting. I think it's, it's Sorga's spot for now. Anyway, we'll see what happens after this week. Moving a little deeper into central midfield here. There's, there's fewer names, but, uh, every bit is a lot, open a question. A we, we have Russell Kanaus, we have junior Moreno, and we have Moses Nyman. Two of them will be on the field to start this game. <laughs> And I couldn't tell you which two. I think I, I know one of them. I think Russell Knauss is the most likely of the three to start. Yes. I have no idea, though, what the combination will be. Because the if you go to the minutes tracker that Jason has been diligently filling out after each preseason game for which we have enough information, <laughs> um, the minutes are split fairly evenly between the three. Somehow it, we got the point where, let me let me switch over to it real quick. Um, Junior Moreno got the most minutes at the six. Moses Nyman got the most minutes at the eight. But Russell Canals got the most minutes overall <laughs> between the two yeah, positions. That's about right. So it's it, it's a total toss-up, I think.
2: Yeah, the one thing I will say is that, and we don't know everything that happened again in the last game, but it looked for all the world, like Drew Skundrich came in for Moreno and Nyaman didn't play uh, against the Red Bulls. And we don't know why. Um, maybe it's a knock. Maybe it's a, you know, he's just got a, he's, you know, it's been a, a grind of a preseason. We just don't want him to get uh pick up anything, you know, any small thing becoming a big thing. It's definitely a question in my mind to ask when we get to speak with Losada in the pregame press conference, which is uh, Thursday. So um, definitely one of those things I'd like to hear more about because this team is already, you know, we're talking about three guys for two spots because they're the only three guys. Um, And so if Nyaman didn't play because of a knock, that's, that's pretty bad news. Uh, That means the desperation got a little worse. There's Two
1: guys for two spots,
2: right? It, it, it would simplify this discussion, um, but (laughs) not in the way I think that any of us would like. Um,
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Just like, we've talked about this before on this podcast, like Junior Moreno hasn't played well this preseason. He hasn't played particularly well in the last year ish. Uh, He needs to step it up. And like, like we always say, if there's not competition on this DC United team, that's when people get complacent. So if, if Moses Nyman has a knock and can't push, uh junior moreno that that just makes it a little worse and i mean it makes it worse again because there's nobody else to take that spot there's nobody to sub in what if one of them gets hurt in this first game then you're like i don't know you're putting yamil Assad back there yeah you're putting oh you're putting jason anderson in in central midfield
2: (laughs) i mean i mean if we really wanted to like drill down on that i think we're talking maybe more like Julian Gressel is in there and Griffin. Yao, uh could be yeah. over on the right side. If, um, if,
1: if Paul Areola were fit, he would be right. there, but he's not yeah. fit right now, obviously.
2: Um, and, and, you know, based on the reporting, especially um, from Steve Goff, right now, it doesn't sound, it sounds like DC's last two roster spots are, are probably going, uh, we're going to get into the discussion later, but um they're probably not going to guys that are going to play in this role on the 17th. Right. It won't be Drew Scundridge At,
0: getting that spot.
2: Yeah. It does not sound like that's the, I mean, it could be the plan. Maybe they just don't want to say, uh, but I don't understand what, uh, I, I mean, we haven't understand, understood several elements of secrecy this preseason. This one would be like a step beyond even that, because this would be like, look, uh, why would you not just like, who who are you hiding him from? He's already under contract to the organization. Um, I don't, I think they're likely not looking at him right now. Um, but knew that they could put him in for real minutes, uh, throughout the preseason in a few different spots. Um, but they need something if if they've got a better option than him up their sleeves, I would like them to pursue that. Maybe that's where they see Andy Nahar long-term and they don't want to sign one more because then when Felipe gets healthy, then you've got an overload, which we had last year, we had too many, um, and yeah, five of the two good,
0: spots is probably fine.
2: Right. So someone good ends up, you know, not getting to play, and that's not ideal. But yeah, I I think this decision is probably we probably got a, a strong hint from this last game, this last preseason game. Um it might not be what we want right now, because I think uh Nyaman playing in a home game against a team that wants to have a wide open uh style of game, I think that suits him. Um but I also I get it. Um I get the idea of against a team like nycfc that knows that has played transition soccer um having someone who's more likely to stay home and hold space it makes sense um now moreno has to do a better job of that and avoid the late tackles um and and or whatever lingering it looked like he didn't have much animosity for uh castellanos
0: it looked like castellanos had animosity for him um you know maybe avoiding, avoiding that might be important maybe knowing that that preseason game was was the game before the game maybe losada had moreno get get things a little chippy out there with Castellanos <laughs> so that he can you know carry that over and moreno knew it was all in the game maybe they, it was felipe's they, idea
2: they have been tackling hard in preseason um that might just be losada saying like i want you guys to get stuck in on everyone and you have to get into the the mindset of doing that in a way
0: that maybe you weren't before i don't know I mean, but it, when it's when it's super high wire Like it sounds like their press is going to be very little, very little safety net behind them. That might be the right strategy is, you know, if you don't get the ball, at least get the man. So they're not breaking free uh, in scoring. And the team honestly didn't give up too many goals during preseason, not as many as I might've expected. So we'll see what happens um, when the season starts. Jason, you alluded to this. Um, Stephen Goff reported that the last two roster spots might actually get filled this year. Uh, DC United looking at both Andy Nahar to come home uh, and Tony Alfaro, former center back for the Seattle Sounders, mostly a reserve for them Um, likely to be a reserve here too. I think he gave up the penalty that allowed the Red Bulls to equalize in the last preseason game. He wasn't identified of course, officially, but that that's what there was. was... There was
2: the Red Bulls had a highlight on their Twitter account where it was clearly him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, I, I don't think it was
2: that much I mean it's it's a penalty but it wasn't like wow what a dumb play it was just a little bit of
0: bad timing um, but yeah okay. th- it was him um, I think Goff reported at the time or tweeted at the time that Alfaro was a, a candidate for a Loudon contract that they were looking at apparently it's more than that apparently he might be coming in for the first team which makes sense because if there's a position besides center back that is uh, very very thin it, it it's center back
2: yeah, and, and he's a left-footed center back with real MLS experience, um, so those things definitely count, and I will say, yeah, I know he's coming from Reno, was where he was last year, um, but before that, when he was in Seattle, if there's an organization you want to take the fifth center back from, the guy that got cut loose because there are too many, it's Seattle. Seattle has made a science out of identifying good center backs uh, and getting good performances out of them, so if Seattle was like this guy's and, – and Alfaro didn't play – it wasn't like he played like three games for them or something. He played real games. He played um, a bunch in MLS. He played Champions League games, Open Cup, um, you know, serious matches uh, that had real consequences, and they put him out there. And it wasn't like, well, I guess this is the only thing we can do. They're like, no, no, this is – we're confident in this guy. Um, so if you're going to take a player in this position on the roster – you want it someone who's like Seattle has signed off and been like, this is a, a pretty decent player who we can actually use. If if Seattle could find him uh, acceptable as an option for more than just one season, then he's probably good enough to be guy number five or six, depending on Mike DeShields at center back for DC, especially being left footed.
1: Yeah, and especially with how how many uh, center backs are injured right now and how many center backs DC United's going to need.
0: Yeah, with the 3 back you need, you need more numbers than than with a 4 back certainly. So, uh but we'll see if that comes through. Gough uh did put a note of caution on the Andy Nahar signing. It's not done yet and if it doesn't get over the finish line, Andy apparently is looking at a club in the Dutch Eredivisie to uh to sign with this summer uh during the off season. And Ben you're looking at me funny. I I don't speak Dutch. I don't know how to pronounce I just, the I just name I've just always the league. heard
1: it. I've just always heard air divizy
0: air divizy. That's probably right. I, I wasn't busy. Hey, there's another. Air yeah, sure. Sure. None but, of us. But not, what I,
1: but not what Adam said.
0: Not what I said. What I said was almost certainly wrong. I don't have it written down in front of me and I, you know, had other things going through my mind. Like uh, apologies to our Dutch listeners.
1: If, if
0: Roach, mostly just Roach. Yeah. <laughs> apologies to Roach. Um, one of the things that was going through my head was the next topic of this show. And that is the sub rules for this year. Uh MLS finally announced the substitution rules last week. We didn't get to it on last week's show or the first show this week, but we're getting to them now. Damn it. And uh they will be the same mostly as they were last year, at least on the, the basic level. Oh, not get, really. The, there's a new wrinkle, but the basic outline is the same. You get five subs, over the course of the game in three windows, not counting halftime. So you can stop the game three times to make your total of five subs. On top of that, there are going to be two concussion subs per team that don't count against the five. And uh, you can use them at any time if there is a a head injury on the field, um, or even a suspected head injury. It doesn't have to be taken right away, if the player thinks they can continue and it turns out they can't, then you can take them off and use a concussion substitute. You just let the fourth official know you write it on a different sub-slip basically, a different colored right, slip like, of yeah, Literally it, a different... It, it, it's paper. wild.
1: They, they have very... Like, it's a yeah. whole color-coded system. Yeah, which makes
0: sense. You don't you don't want to look at the top to see which label it's, is it's there. It's a fail-safe. Um, yeah. it,
1: it reminds
2: me of... My dad had a cochlear implant put in, and I was at the hospital with him, and when they are doing the pre-surgery stuff, Uh, the doctor came over and was chatting and everything and pulls out a sharpie. And he's like, can you, can you lean over so I can, uh, look at your ear for a second? He's like, sure. And he wrote his initials in Sharpie on my dad's earlobe. And I was like, is this so you can make sure you're doing the correct side of his head? And he's like, that is exactly what it is. And I was like, (laughs) right. The
0: the extremely low tech fail safe is a Sharpie or in this case, a pink piece of paper. Yeah. So, so it's good that there are concussion substitutes. This is overdue, I think. There's also a, a wrinkle to prevent abuse of this new substitution. And that is every time you use one of your two concussion substitutes in a game, the other team gets an extra sub on top of their five. And I assume that means they can stop the game again. They get an extra window too, although that wasn't spelled out. Um, but if both teams use their full complement of five subs and their two concussion subs, they're forced to use their concussion subs and then their two bonus subs, um, they could get through their entire bench and then some, potentially. Potentially a, a goalkeeper playing as a field player is what you're talking yes. about. So uh, a lot of people don't like that there are that many subs. I can I can deal with it for a couple of reasons. One, fixture congestion is real. The players are human. They break. Like, we do not want to grind them in into dust. We don't want their bones to be ground into flour for our bread. Um, so... Anything that relieves that, I think, is worth considering, and that's what this does. Um, More selfishly, I like this because Hernan Losada's system is incredibly demanding on players physically and mentally, honestly, and subs are good to, you know, fresh legs are going to be important in games, especially with his comments uh, recently that the team is only 60 to 70 minutes fit right now at playing at the highest level that they want to play at so they're they're not there yet and so subs will be able to extend that a little further at least so i think selfishly i like this for dc united but also uh, i think it'll help the quality of games too because players will not be slowing down and or breaking all over the field all the time
1: yeah i i i think it's a it, it's good to uh test this out in this season. I think it'll be more useful if and when they reduce the regular subs back down to three, because then it'll uh, be more of a, of a. they'll be forced to use it more, use it more. Because I, at this point, like if somebody gets a head injury, you could use a regular sub instead of a, concussion sub to sub somebody out but if you if they move it back down to three subs at some point then there's there's more uh situationalness where it might make more sense to use a uh a concussion sub and and that would make it less likely that they keep someone with a head injury on the field
0: well i don't know i think when they reduce the number of of subs down to three it'll be more likely that someone with a a bad head injury stays on the field because giving a team a fourth substitute is a way bigger deal than giving them sure, a but, but sixth maybe, substitute
1: because right, the, the way then...
0: MLS benches are structured is the talent drops off after the yeah, first yeah. two or three. But, but, maybe, in most but maybe
1: after, but maybe after this trial period, they they tweak the rules so that they don't give an additional sub. When they reduce it down to three, like th- yeah, there's a lot a of options program. they can do. Yeah, it's, it's a pilot program, and and they've got a lot of options to figure out going forward. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I don't want to. Like, I think there needs to be something to prevent gaming the system. The way, say, just to pull a name out of a hat, a Bob Bob Bradley might by um, faking uh, uh, well, a head injury. And to the, get well, there a is, new sub on the field.
2: Because the concussion substitutions can't be approved by the teams. It's, th- it's the uh, medical professionals on the sideline. Yeah. Um, and so allowing them to be like n- ideally neutral, uh, these are going to be officials from the regions of the home team. So, you know, how neutral can you be? Probably not. It's probably not going to be perfect because teams are going to go to a doctor they know already. Um, so you might be having like the team p- physician uh, who has had a relationship with the team for many years um, and that might color some things, but it's not going to be perfect, but it's better than the, what you're talking about, which would be teams yeah. having players feign a thing so that they could get these extra subs. Um, and to go to go back to the a positive about this, that kind of, you know, mitigates any the complaints about there just being too many subs. What's more important is, you know, players' health. So this yes, measure yes. brings these substitutions to the table. It reduces the pressure on teams of saying like, well, can you gut out 10 more minutes? Cause if someone's got a real concussion, the answer is probably no, they probably shouldn't be. And you shouldn't be asking them. Um, yep. So taking, taking that temptation off the table for the teams that are going to let that competitive uh, mindset overwhelm player safety, which this is competitive sports. It happens. It, there are guys playing with injuries that, shouldn't they probably shouldn't be playing with all the time um but this is one that you know your messed up toe won't necessarily have it'll have an impact on the rest of your life but not in the same way as uh traumatic brain injury can so um i think the way the league has it set up i'm glad that they were uh enthusiastic um not or not just them i shouldn't pretend like it's just mls because
0: it's um, all the top american leagues yeah.
2: All of the professional uh, American leagues uh, got in on this, and they were all like, "We want to do this." And U.S. Soccer was like, "For for once, all of these parties were in agreement." And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, that's this is let's all get together and do something and get take it to FIFA." FIFA, thankfully, did and IFAB uh, both did not get in the way because those are organizations designed to get in the way, um, but they <laughs> didn't. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's a needed. Uh, pilot program, we have to find some way to avoid these situations where, uh, and and I I will say there's one wrinkle in there where a player that returns to play after a collision that gets examined and maybe doesn't show symptoms immediately, the medical professionals are still watching and are still monitoring those players. And if they notice signs or if the player, you know, takes a knee and is like, actually, you know, I I need to come out. um, That doesn't mean it's not a like, well, if you let him back in so the concussion sub is no longer allowed, Right, you can still use it. So um, I think they they thought of a lot of scenarios that could get weird um, and made it as... They minimized it and made it geared towards what it's supposed to be, which is a protection for players. So uh, I'm on board.
0: They thought about the nature of head injuries. They didn't just say, well, obviously they must be faking if it's not showing right away. That's not how head injuries work. So... They, they actually thought about it and considered things and rolled out what I think is a good starting point for, for this rule. Um, and we'll see where it goes going forward. I, I yeah. really hope that it, nobody finds a way to abuse it and they actually take off that two sub cap and just say, listen, when you have a head injury, you use this sub and that's it. Um, I think that would be, that'd be my ideal end point for this, but we'll see what happens. Um, let's talk Expectations for DC United, we, we've kind of glanced at them on, on previous shows, but we haven't gotten explicitly into it. Um, what, what do you think the goals should be for, for this season for DC United, not just like record or points or playoffs or not. Um, like the most important thing to me, I think is establishing the identity and style of play in a way that, that lays the groundwork for success going forward. But, uh, I completely understand if, yeah, how do you, how do you measure I that? Certainly Adam, do
1: too, Adam. How do you measure that?
0: You know it when you see it. Um, now, oh, I,
1: nah, I mean yes, I mean yes. But if you're talking about expectations, then we got to have something measurable. So I'm going to go with measurableness, and I'm going to say playoffs. Measurableness—that's the word you're going yes. with. Yes, strategy and measurableness. Uh, you're you're talking about uh, BS. You're talking about. Uh, hand waviness. I'm going to talk about uh, actual expectations and I'm going to say the goal is playoffs.
0: Well, how many points? Because the playoff line moves up and down. No. So objectively, how many points? If you want to get objective, get objective.
1: I'm going to get objective. Playoffs. Playoffs is more objective than points because like you said, playoffs moves up and down. I want playoffs, whatever that level is. Um, the, The this is not yet going to be the full uh, nature of this team. Hernan Losada just got signed. Uh, uh, Lucy Rushton is is just coming in. So it, it's going to take the two of them some time to uh, formulate this team the exact way that they want to do it. But I think a reasonable expectation for success this year is to make it into the playoffs. That That's a sign so, of going forward.
0: So my question to you. If they don't make the playoffs, then, is this year a failure, and should they rip it up?
1: They should not rip it up.
0: Okay, so you agree with me that there are factors beyond making the playoffs that are important to to measure this year.
1: Yes, but you asked to measure things, (laughs) and so I I gave you a measurement. But I'm not a strict strict constructionist. You're just trying to box me into things, and I'm trying to provide nuance
0: and if you're going to box my words i'm going to box right back that's what i do i was trained as a lawyer damn it (laughs) personally i prefer a rhombus that's fair jason what are your expectations this year
2: uh i think the season is going to start a little slow um i i don't anticipate this first month being much in the way of wins um I think it's going to be a situation where we see flashes of the system coming together on both sides of the ball, but we're also going to see some signs where it clearly did not come together. Um, Not that that's news to anyone, um, but I I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to require some patience, I think, in the spring. Um, I think we're going to see enough out of this team. It's going to be one of those things where we see enough out of them to think they're going to round the corner next week. Uh, And then next week there might be like a a thing that they were getting right is maybe going to get a little frayed because they focused on something else that they were getting wrong. Um, And we're going to be like, well, now they can't get this right. Um, But that's because they're trying to do so many new things all at once. Um, uh, While also apparently uh, balancing a high demand to get more in shape than they already are, which as, as we know from last season, it's a tough thing to build in. Um, if you're trying to build up fitness when the season and the game started to begin, uh, it's tough. It's tough to do that and then also take on new tactical information and execute. You just run out of time. Uh, guys need to sleep. Guys need, guys need to eat. They need to like see their families some of the time. Um, you just run out of time to do all of that. So it's going to be a while. Um, but I am retaining hope. Uh, that we meet Ben's expectation. Uh, Ben's box, I think, uh, could get there because of the way the schedule is set up, especially. Um, that that getting six of nine at home at, at the end of the year, uh, I think that's a huge benefit, not just because they're home games, but because there's not travel, because that, the late schedule is very jam-packed. Um, that's where the schedule congestion really starts to hit, and D.C. is going to spend a lot of time not traveling. They're going to be staying at home. Um, we know from recent history what you can do when you have that, when you have a a highly congested set of games, but you're mostly not leaving the district. What it can do is it can really be the platform to be uh, on your way and get in the playoffs and not just get in just barely, Um, which uh, that would be great. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I I think this is going to be more of a skin of the teeth um, where like we might look back at one call or one bounce. Like this is, this thing's going to be really close. I feel like, Um, but I, I do think the major thing this year is to establish what it is they're trying to do to show not linear progress, but clear progress from the start of the year to like, like if July comes around and they look like they do in the opener, I will start to be concerned, but I'm giving them that much of a runway before I start to get really concerned because the, the extremes of what they were doing to what they have to do under Losada it's almost, you know, polar opposites, uh, tactically. Uh, it's polar opposites in a mentality terms. It's it's a new demand of fitness. It seems like as fit as it seemed like they were under Olsen. Um, and the, the, we talked about how it is hard to play the style they used to play. Um, it's mentally draining. It's physically demanding. But it's not the same kind of demanding. And so now they have to sort of train themselves to be good at something else uh and they're not getting it's not a lot of time between when they started that and when they um have to start to actually doing it which is you know 4 days away right. um so yeah i, I think it's going to be uh fits and starts for sure all year long but i'm i'm really hopeful that co- but by the time midsummer hits we're going to start to see closer to what it's supposed to be and this stretch run i think the team is going to be exciting at, at worst it's going to be an exciting run in we might miss out on the playoffs um but if it is exciting and we miss out on the playoffs I don't think I would call that a failure because we wanted I think the whole fan base wants and needs it to be exciting um and if it's last year it was dramatic but not exciting (laughs) um only because the playoff bar was so low um and in this case the bar is back where it should Or actually it's still low but you know closer to where it should be uh MLS is still very forgiving as to who gets in the playoffs but I think DC can get there. I think the schedule is set up to help them get there. And uh, I'm glad that they are not trying to figure this thing out with the congested schedule coming early. I think they've really been handed an opportunity uh, in the context of trying to become the new DC United, uh, which it it seems like they're trying to do. Like, you know, these hires uh, off the field are evidence The broadcast deal it's all evidence of maybe actually taking the next step and becoming the team that we've wanted them to be for a while, Uh, which is kind of the thing we all hope for in 2018. If we're being blunt, you know, that was a kind of a once in a generation opportunity to do it all at once. They couldn't, they either didn't want to or couldn't do it all at once. And now it's 2021. We're finally starting to get some of the pieces that should have been in place years ago. They're finally start. it's starting to happen. It's not all there, but it's starting to happen.
0: Yeah. I think the number one criteria I am going to be judging this year on is whether they're playing better at the end of the season than we're going to see this weekend. Um, I, I want to see improvement, probably dramatic improvement to the end of the year. If they make the playoffs awesome because they'll be playing the best soccer of the year at that point. And who knows, maybe they surprise some people in the playoffs and it'll be really, really fun, but that's gravy for me. I'm less concerned about making the playoffs. Um, especially since like, I think six of those seven spots, barring a major collapse from a team are basically claimed at this point. And that seventh spot is going to be a bloodbath. Um, Cause the, the line it's a, it's a fewer, it's a lower percentage of teams making the playoffs this year than ever before in MLS, I think, except for maybe one year. So it's, it's going to be a fight to get into the playoffs. And I want this team to worry about next year and the year after more, than about just this year. We've talked about in the past how D.C. United has drifted from year to year just trying to survive. And I want them to, to do better than that. I want them to lay down a foundation this year. And if that foundation gets them into the playoffs, awesome. I'm going to love every second of it. But I'm not going to be judging this season based on that. And that's, that's I think, unique to, to this season because we are starting to build something. Next year, we'll, we'll, we'll be a little more objective, I think. Or I will be.
2: Can I throw out a a purely data point, uh, a brief data point one?
0: Sure. My
2: expectation, Moses and I am in 1,000 minutes or more.
0: Amen. Let's end it there. Thank you all for listening to this Patreon special of Filibuster. Find us, of course, at uh, patreon.com slash filibuster. If you are hearing this after it comes out behind the paywall, please consider throwing some money on at us so that you can hear this uh, a little bit earlier. Next time we do one of these uh, for everything else, uh, we're at blackandredunited.com at filibuster DCU, at black and red U on Twitter filibuster at gmail.com is the, the, the email address. If you're listening to this, you probably already subscribe. So uh, if you don't subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts uh, mostly though, tell a friend about the show. Money and word of mouth. That is what we care about here. Gosh, dang it. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I care about at least two other things. Maybe more.